Welcome to Scuba Shack Radio, Season 5, Episode 108, recorded Monday, April 3rd, 2023. Scuba Shack Radio is a bi-weekly podcast in support of our mission to empower individuals with knowledge, ability, and experience to venture underwater in pursuit of their aspirations and to advocate for ocean health and sustainability. Well, hello again, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to this latest episode of Scuba Shack Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Centropino. So here we are. It's already April, and we're now into the second quarter of the year already. Plus, the 2023 Major League Baseball season is underway. Play ball. March Madness, and it has been a little bit of madness, is just about over. And we're all excited up here about the UConn Huskies men's basketball team's march to the title game tonight. Let's go Huskies. So March was an incredibly busy month at the dive shop, and it was also a record-setting month for downloads and plays of Scuba Shack Radio. For everyone who continues to listen and support the podcast, thank you. It's so rewarding to see that folks are tuning in, and it does give me the motivation to continue with the show. Scuba Shack's radio is certainly a labor of love. Now on today's show... I'm going to be doing another installment of Sea Hunt, It's Still Alive, and this time I'm going to take you back to Season 2 for an episode titled, The Persuaders. But up first is Wet Notes, my news, information, and commentary update. This is Wet Notes here on Scuba Shack Radio for Monday, April 3rd, 2023. First up today, I had a chance to attend one day of the Beneath the Sea show, uh, the Scuba Show in Secaucus, New Jersey on March 26th. Now, uh, this show at one time was a very big event here in the Northeast, and it it drew scuba diving consumers from all over the area. The pandemic did a number on the show, and it was not held for four years. 2020, 2021, and 2022 were canceled. The last time they ran the event was in March 2019. But it made its return this year, and from the feedback I heard, it exceeded everyone's expectations, both exhibitors and attendees. I had a very productive day at the show, engaging with several of our equipment providers and seeking out some new travel destinations while touching base with resorts that we had planned uh, to visit or had already visited. There's nothing like getting out there, seeing all the dive gear and destinations, and networking with your fellow divers. The team that put together this year's Beneath the Sea did a great job, and I'm sure they will continue to grow it from here. Now here's something that I really didn't expect to see coming out of Florida. A bill has been introduced in the Florida House of Representatives by Representative Linda Cheney that would severely restrict the launching of balloons. 
you know, those party balloons that they fly up uh, with the helium in them. This bill, H.R. 91, would ban all releases in Florida and change the current law that allows uh, for the releases of 10 balloons in a 24-hour period. And it's also going to restrict the release of balloons that they, that they label as eco-friendly. Now, we all know the severe problem these balloons cause in seabirds, marine mammals, and sea turtles who mistake them for food. Now, Oceana is fully supporting this bill, but it's not just marine conservationists who are in favor of it. The bill is also getting support from cattle ranchers. Yeah, cattle ranchers. You see, the cows are also mistaking the balloons for food, eating them, and without any intervention, the cows end up dying. Now, Representative Cheney is seeking a sponsor in the Florida Senate. And if they're able to move this uh, bill forward, the hope is that they will pass it and it will become state law in Florida by July of this year. Yeah, July. Sometimes things can move quickly if everyone's on board. Well, you've heard me talk about Paddy Club here on the podcast before, and I've touted all the benefits afforded by members in Paddy Club. Now, one of those benefits is that Paddy Club is the Paddy Club Speaker Series. These webinars are exclusive to club members. The speakers at these webinars are leaders or interesting people in the dive industry. Well, the latest Paddy Club Speaker Series featured Tech Clark. I wasn't able to attend the live show, but did catch the recorded seminar. That's a nice feature of your membership. Now, Tech talked a lot about his background and the work that he did uh, developing the academic diving program at Nova Southeastern University in Florida. Zach Pavkov uh, from Paddy Club moderates the discussions and even brings in others from the audience to ask questions. Besides these speaker series, uh, these webinars, there's a lot of other benefits from joining. So if you're not a member yet, you should check out Paddy Club and see all it has to offer. Uh, I think it's a fantastic value. Well, if you've ever doubted the value of becoming a DAN member and purchasing their accident insurance, then you should check out the first quarter 2023 edition of Alert Divers magazine. In every issue, they have an article that they call, Dan Was There For Me. Well, in this quarter's update, there's an article that hit home for us. The article was written by Sarah Schneiderman, who is one of our Scuba Shack family of divers. Sarah and her wife, Deb, live part-time in Bonaire, and we had a chance to dive with them when we were down there back at the end of February. Well, a few years ago now, Deb had an accident while getting out of the water after a shore dive in Bonaire. She suffered a very bad break to her leg. Sarah's story tells us about the challenges they faced on the tiny island and how, with the support of Dan, they were able to get Deb the proper treatment in Miami and then make sure she got back home to Connecticut for a full recovery and rehabilitation. Now, this message is clear on how valuable it is to have an organization like Divers Alert Network behind you. And here's some good news coming out of uh, Washington, D.C., and it's on a bipartisan bill regarding artificial reefs. Now, there was an article published by DEMA that was in their Public Policy Digest, and it was also posted on Dive Newswire, and it's on a bill that was introduced by Representative Maria Elvira Salazar from Florida and Representative Ed Case from Hawaii. 
and the bill's titled The Reusing Equipment for Environmental Fortifications, better known now as the REEF Act. So if this bill passes, it would direct the Secretary of the Navy to notify Congress of pending retirements of any naval vessel that is considered a viable candidate for artificial reefing. As divers, we all know how these uh, artificial reef sites attract fish life and provide anchor points for other life on the reef. Now, this bill was originally introduced in September 2021, and they tried to get it in the recently enacted National Defense Authorization Act, but it didn't make it. But now, it also has a companion bill in the Senate, and that was introduced by Senator Marco Rubio. DEMA is urging all of us to write our congressmen and senators to support moving this legislation forward. The House bill is H.R. 950, and the Senate version is S386. Now, this is a great example of Congress coming together to solve problems. We could certainly use a whole lot more of this. And now for some commentary. When I introduced this commentary section of wet notes back in January, my first topic was about how I thought dry suits were responsible for a decline in diving here in the Northeast. Well, I still think it contributes because of the significant investment to purchase a dry suit and then the investment of time uh, it takes to learning how to properly and safely dive the suit. And now there's even a bigger challenge, and that is the availability of dry suits. Let me put it in perspective. We all know that there are many different manufacturers of dry suits out there, and shops like us have an affinity for certain brands. I know we do, and I'm not going to single them out here. And we work to educate our divers on the different aspects of the suit. We get them interested, excited, and committed to purchase a dry suit, and then reality sets in, at least a new reality. It takes a really long time to get them a dry suit. We recently were informed that it's going to take about 18 weeks, yeah, 18 weeks for the delivery of a dry suit. Wow. By the time our customers make the decision to buy, sometimes early in the dive season, it's almost too late for that individual to get their suit and get them properly trained. This is so troubling for dive shops like us here in colder climates. Personally, this type of lead time to me is unacceptable. But what do we do? Not try to sell our clients a dry suit? Or try to sell them something we don't recommend just because it might be available? Now, we are three years into this pandemic, and we small businesses have had to adopt, adjust, and evolve to meet the challenges. Yes, supply chains were, and in some cases, still presenting additional challenges to manufacturers. But continual elongation of delivery times, particularly when it comes to something like a dry suit, is causing us to seek out other options, even though we've invested so much in a specific type and brand. For me, I would love to see delivery times in the four to six week range. I'm hoping our industry can get us to that mark. I'd be interested in hearing what you guys might think. Well, that's it for this latest installment of Wet Notes here on Scuba Shack Radio. Thank you.
It's time for another installment of Sea Hunt. It's still alive here on Scooby Shack Radio. And this time we're going back to Season 2, Episode 14, titled The Persuaders. Now, The Persuaders premiered on April 5th, 1959, 64 years ago. This episode starts out with Mike underwater telling us that when a diver has an emergency underwater, his only thought is to get to the surface. But in this episode, his escape to the surface is closed off and he's being circled by sharks with no protection, no knife, no spear gun or anything. And what's waiting above is worse than any sharks. And that's when we see two guys on a boat. The scene then shifts to earlier, and we see Mike getting out of the water, climbing up the ladder of his boat. Just then his buddy, Vic Talbert, flies over in his Avalon Airlines amphibian plane. He radios Mike that he's heading out to Catalina because the albacore are running, and so are the blondes. Mike tells Vic that he can't go because he's got too much work to do on his boat. Vic says, Never put off tomorrow what you can today, and that'll catch him on the way back. As Mike is chuckling, two guys approach him. They say they couldn't help but overhear the conversation, and they introduce themselves as Mr. Nugent and Mr. White. They're businessmen, and they need Mike's services for three hours. Mike says he can't do it. So White flashes him a wad of cash. Mike refuses. So they both pull out their guns and tell him it's time to cast off. We're now underway on Mike's boat, and Nugent is pointing out a spot on the chart that they want to go to. It's on the lee side of Rogers Island, 15 miles from Zena Point. White is searching the boat and tells us there are two full tanks and that that should be plenty. Mike questions Nugent about what he wants. He tells him that they're importers, importers of narcotic, and they need Mike Nelson to dive down and retrieve a canister of drugs. To make sure Mike knows the deal, White spots a bottle about 20 yards from the boat and blasts it, telling Mike that what goes down comes up, or not at all. As they arrive at the spot, Mike gears up in his triple tanks, Nugent tells him to look for a small container. It should be easy to see and not take too long. There shouldn't be a lot of current, and the water temperature is 68 degrees and the depth is 58 feet. Mike says, well, maybe you should make the dive. Nugent tells him, no tricks, no games, because we always win. Mike then starts his descent. He only has the air in his tank. The beach is miles away and he doesn't have any help. He can't hide his bubbles. He does spot the container and realizes that he's now in a no-win situation. The odds are they will kill him with or without the container. So he decides to destroy the narcotics worth half a million dollars. As he opens up the container, a small foam ring escapes, and Mike is now concerned that Nugent and White may have spotted it. Mike is stalling when all of a sudden, The man-eating shark starts to circle. He's unarmed, and he wonders if the shark smells the fear. He is helpless. But then the shark swims away. Mike has an idea. He sends up a slate that says, Shark down here. How about spear gun or knife? Nugent replies, No, shark up here. Now, Mike sends up a message. Air gone. Send down spare tanks. 
this time the responses come up. As Mike reaches the surface, he's in luck. Vic is flying over in the amphibian plane. Vic has been trying to reach Mike on the radio, so Nugent tells him to talk to his friend and make it sound normal. Vic says he thought Mike might be out of gas. Mike says he had a job he couldn't turn down and wants Vic to call May and tell her he'll be gone all day. Vic looks puzzled by the code. Let's hope he figures it out. As Mike is gearing up in his fresh triples, he spots something on the bench. It's a small bar or pipe-like object. He has a plan as he hides it between his back and his tanks. The small white bar is an underwater flare. As Mike makes his way down the line, he takes off his triple tanks, secures them to the down line, and heads up to the boat with the underwater flare. He needs to work quickly as he takes off his weight belt and attaches it in the flare to the boat's prop, and he ignites it. You see, fire causes panic, and when Nugent and White see the smoke from the flare, they panic. White puts on his life jacket as they grab the fire extinguisher. White jumps in the water for some reason, and then Mike attacks him from below, but he gets away and gets back on the boat. Nugent then jumps in to see what the problem is with the boat, and he unfouls the prop and jettisons the flare. Mike's only option now is to swim as fast as he can to the island. The boat is now underway and starts to close on Mike. White is firing at him with a rifle. Mike continues to dive below the surface. It looks like it could be over when all of a sudden Vic and the amphibian plane arrive. Vic put together the May and Day from Mike's message and called the Coast Guard. Nugent and White see the plane coming, so they turn around and hightail it out. Vic lands the plane and Mike jumps in. As Nugent and White try to escape, they are confronted by a Coast Guard cutter and a helicopter. They can't escape. Mike tells us that they got their final reward and that it will be measured in years, not dollars. Now, this episode was filmed in Silver Springs, Florida, and it featured the 1957 Chris Craft as Mike's boat with the call sign EVAC. The call sign for Vic's amphibian plane was Avalon 322. And just remember Vic's words of wisdom. Never put off tomorrow what you can today. Did you ever wonder if Mike went back and retrieved all the gear that he seems to ditch in all these episodes? Like, what happened to those triples that he left on the anchor line? He seems to lose a lot of stuff. I guess that made Voight very happy. Well, this wraps up episode 108 of Scuba Shack Radio. Once again, I want to thank you for listening, and I'll be back in a couple of weeks with more. Until then... Have a happy Easter and take care.
Scuba Shack Radio is a bi-weekly podcast supporting our mission to empower individuals with knowledge, ability, and experience to venture underwater in pursuit of their aspirations and to advocate for ocean health and sustainability. Talk to you next time.